and more about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I can't get enough of him. How about you? Just can't get enough of him. Someone's, well, why don't you, you keep talking about Jesus. Start talking about Satan. I don't have time for that. Put all my time into Jesus. Amen. More about Jesus. God is good. It is great to see you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank you for your attendance, and we are here to honor our God, and we're glad you're with us. Let's go to God, please, together in a word of prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, righteous God, magnificent and mighty, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We give unto you all of the praise the honor and the glory. We're so thankful, Lord God, that you blessed us to be able to assemble here today to worship you, to worship Jesus, to worship the Holy Spirit, to worship the Godhead. Thank you for blessing us to be able to be here. We thank you for Jesus who died on that cruel cross of Calvary that we might live, who showed us not only how to live, but he showed us how to be faithful to you and he showed us how to die for you. We thank the Lord God for the blood that was shed in our behalf. That brings glory unto your name. We're thankful, Lord God, for the salvation that has come to us through your darling son. And this morning, as we worship you, we pray, Lord God, that you will keep our minds from worldly thought. That we may focus only on you, on your word, your will, and your way. For this is your day, Lord God, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank thee, if it be thy will. Amen. Jesus. Daniel will identify Jesus as the Son of Man. Well, that's in the Old Testament. We'll come back to that in just a moment. I want us to turn to Matthew chapter 25, because it's in the New Testament that we witness and hear the term Son of Man, Son of Man. Son of Man. We hear it in the Old Testament as well, but it's really identified to us in the New Testament, the Son of Man, that Jesus was somehow in God's way, all God and all man at the same time. Don't ask me to explain that one, right? But not only that, he's known to us as the Son of Man. And so in Matthew chapter 25, In verse 31, But when the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Daniel will identify, turn to Mark chapter 10 please. Daniel will identify Jesus, the Son of Man, in His glory. In Mark 10, in verse 45, the Bible speaks to us and says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, Psalm, please, chapter 2. Isn't it amazing that God in his glory came to the earth and served the created? That the creator would humble himself in such a way that he would serve The created, the Son of Man, in all of His glory, served the created. 
And then in Psalm 2, beginning in verse 10, Now therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, lest He become angry and you perish in the way. For His wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in Him, the Son of Man. The Son of Man. Daniel, please, chapter chapter 7. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just can't, can't get enough. Can't get enough of, of our God. But here's a problem. It's not really a problem. But let's pose it as, as if we were living in, in the Bible era, right? Whether you were in, uh, the first dispensation or, or in the last dispensation of time, wherever you may fit in, imagine for just a moment, and go with me to the Roman era, or even, if you will, back to Daniel as he looks at his vision and he speaks of Rome. And when he speaks of Rome and the Son of Man and the children of God, imagine being in that day and asking yourself the question, who can stand against Rome? How is it possible for us to win? And the answer being, there's no way that you can win without Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So this morning, if if I could just focus your mind to the thought, don't mess with God's people. How about that? We'll just kind of make that the thought for our lesson this morning. Beginning in verse 2, God describes kingdoms. He says in Daniel 7 in verse 2, Daniel said, I was looking in the, my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were steering up the great sea. And four great beasts were coming up from the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had the wings of an eagle. I kept looking until its wings were plucked. And it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man. A human mind also was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, resembling a bear. And it was raised up on one side. And three ribs were in its mouth between its teeth. And thus they said to it, Arise, devour much meat. After this, I kept looking And behold, another one like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. These beasts are kingdoms. The first, uh, the one, the lion with the wings of an eagle, would have been the Babylonian Empire. When you continue reading Daniel, all this is explained. And then he goes on to the second beast, it's a leopard, and that would be the Grecian Empire. And then he goes on and he talks about the third and, and, and the Medo-Persian, rather Medo-Persian, excuse me, comes in there before the Greeks. And the Greeks are the, are the bear and then the leopard is the kingdom of Greece. 
Forgive me for mixing that one up. And those are important kingdoms. And as you follow the book of Daniel, you go to chapter 2 and you find that, that Daniel explains these, that you have the, the Babylonian Empire and, and then you, you have the, uh, the, the empire that follows and the one that follows and the one that follows, right? And it happens just that way after Babylon with the Medo-Persians and then the Greeks. And then there was another kingdom that came up. And I want to talk about that kingdom this morning in just, in just a moment. The kingdoms were powerful, but it's the last one that's of significant importance to God's people in the New Testament era. Verse 7 says, After this I kept looking in the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth. It devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten This fierce beast was different from the other three. From all other beasts or all other kingdoms, this beast was terrifying. And Daniel saw the beast and it troubled him. In verse 8, the Bible says, While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out, by the roots before it. And behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth uttering great boasts. This beast was something else. Chapter 2, please, of Daniel. Look, if you will, over at verse 30, 30 as he'll talk more about this beast. Verse 40, sorry, verse 40. It's Rome. The Roman Empire, who will later bring to us the Roman Catholic Church, who will later bring to us a multitude of others. This beast was something else. In verse 40, then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron, inasmuch as it As iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. And in that you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom. But it will have in it the toughness of iron inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another even as iron does not combine with pottery." This beast was not only destructive, turn back to chapter 7, please. It had a destructive motivation or plan. It waged war with God, specifically, as if that was its purpose. 
It waged war with the Son of Man and His people, and it was crushing and devouring mankind. Who could wage war against this against this beast? So Rome is described, listen to chapter 7, beginning at verse 19, in such a way that it's frightening. So imagine for just a moment that you were living as a child of God or you're contemplating becoming a Christian, standing in the midst of this ferocious and fierce beast, this nation that devours and crushes and annihilates the people of God. Would you become a Christian? Would you have surrendered to God in the waters of baptism knowing that today you might surrender to Jesus? And in that same day, your life could be ended. But not just ended, you would be tortured and tormented for the cause of Christ. And yet the church kept on growing. Verse 19 says, Then I desired to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all other, the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron claws of bronze and which devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with his feet. And the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head and the other horn which came up and before which were three of them failed, namely that horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boast and which was larger in appearance than its associates. I kept on looking and that horn was waging war with the saints and winning overpowering them that that horn that kingdom that people they were destroying God's people in verse 25 and he will speak out against the Most High. It wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to devour God's people. But he would speak out right against God. Who can stop me? God can't stop me. Verse 25 says, And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a times, time, and a half a time. He was messing with God's people. Rome was messing with God's people. And some of us would have said in that day, God, how long are you going to let this go on? God, when are you going to do something? And what they didn't know was, the Son of Man had already come and taken care of the problem. Now we can look back and see that. But it's amazing how we can't see that in our own lives. Isn't that amazing? We can look back and say, well, you know, God took care of Rome. Yeah, well, he did. And, but if you were living in those days, would you have had the same kind of constructive thought saying, 
just like God took care of Rome, God is already taking care of my problems as well. He was not only overpowering them, he was speaking, Rome, she was speaking out against the most high God. And God was sitting, waiting for two things. One, salvation. There were many folks who were being saved in that day. And two, the destruction of Rome. Now, if you've ever taken a side trip in your adventures of life over to Rome, or maybe maybe you just turn the television on and you, you may see Rome, it's a small little place. And now that's really all it is, just a small little place. It has no power. Wow. Because God took them out. He allowed them to live for salvation's sake, to still exist as a nation. But look at the church, brethren. Even the church in Rome, and that's pretty brave when God builds a church in the destructive nation territory, and there's nothing they could do to stop it. All right, I said earlier, we're going to look at don't mess with God's people. Verse 23. Thus he said, The fourth beast will be like, will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread down and crush it. As for the ten horns out of this kingdom, ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them. And he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one. And he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time's time and a half a time. But the court will sit for judgment and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Rome? You see, they were asking that question in in Revelation. Who can stand against Rome? How can we survive the onslaught of this terrible kingdom? And all they had to do was go backwards and read what God has done to kingdoms and nations time and time again, and that he would do the exact same thing to Rome. He would destroy them because of the wickedness and the evil that they possess within them. And so if you will, in verse 13, the Bible says, I kept looking in the night visions, And behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. That's the Father. And to him, Jesus, was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. 
His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and His kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And so the scene is the judgment scene of Rome. The judgment scene, the idea, the thought that the Father comes after looking at what Rome has done and He sits on His throne and Jesus comes to the Father and the Father gives all dominion and all authority and all power over to Jesus. The Son of Man in His glory Rome didn't understand that Jesus dying on the cross was the victory. It was not the defeat. And sometimes we forget that Jesus dying on the cross was the victory, not the defeat. And in our lives today, Jesus dying on the cross is the victory, not the defeat. When we were taking the Lord's Supper in that public proclamation is the victory, not the defeat. We can't lose. The church is still here. Where's Rome? The church won't go away because we cannot lose. Stick with Jesus. Don't mess with God's people. Satan, back off of God's people. He's lost once. And the judgment day is coming. He's going to lose again. The victory was in the cross. In verse 21, I kept looking at that horn. was waging war with the saints and overpowering them until... You have to love the coordinate conjunction, but, right? Oh, he, they were reigning and they were doing all this greatness, but the court sat. Now they're reigning and, and they, in their minds, they're doing great. They're doing wonderful until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was passed in favor of the saints. And the highest one and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Wait, so God's going to raise up a kingdom in the midst of the powerful kingdom and destroy the powerful kingdom because the saints have the power and not the other kingdom. That doesn't even make sense. Do you know how much more power we have had as God's people over every nation and every tribe and every tongue and anything you can mention and imagine on this earth? The power of prayer. Oh, we, we wonder about those bombs and missiles. Don't worry about those bombs and missiles, church. Pray. Pray. Oh, I, I know it's an issue. It is in Ukraine. It's an issue. Keep praying. Watch God work. Keep praying. The saints were praying and praying and they watched God work. Now we get to see, looking back at what God has done. What about in your life? How much time are you spending in prayer? We're busy people, aren't we? Turn to Matthew, please. Chapter 28. We're busy folks. We're always on the go. Church, may I remind you, may I stir up your mind by way of reminder, you need to take time to pray. Stop so 
our lives are just so busy. Stop for a moment and pray in the daytime. Pray in the mid-afternoon. Pray. Don't just pray when you get up and when you go to bed at night. Pray throughout the day. Pray, pray, pray to Jesus, to the Father, because Jesus hears us. He's been here. He knows what we're going through. The Father hears us. The Holy Spirit hears our prayers. Well, the saints were praying, and they were praying, and the Bible says the court sat, and all dominion, all dominion was given to Jesus. All the glory is given to Jesus. The kingdom belongs to Jesus. All the nations and all the peoples belong to Jesus. Matthew 28, Jesus tells us that. He repeats it, that the victory was in the cross. And he says in verse 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to Rome. Thank you. That's not what the Bible says. Now this is in the midst of this terrible nation with with terrible, terrible, terrible wickedness. And Jesus, the Son of Man, says, All authority has been given to me. All authority. And then he gives the people a mission. He said, well, 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 wait, wait, Jesus, I, 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 thank you, but, but Rome. And Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. And we, we might say, well, you know, in our lives, we're, we're struggling and we're going through this and we're going through that. And Jesus might stop us for just a moment and say, church, all authority has been given to me. And we may argue and fuss and bitter or be bitter in our lives, but all authority has been given to Jesus. And Jesus says, in verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples in the midst of the Roman Empire. Go on out there and don't worry about they see what you're doing. It's going to be something everybody's going to see. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You go out. You teach Jesus. Don't worry about Rome. God is in control. You go baptize people. You go teach them the plan of salvation. Teaching them after you baptize them teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus. 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 Don't worry about what you're going through, brethren. Give it to Jesus. Matthew, uh, Daniel, please, chapter 9. Just, just give it all to Jesus. Well, preaching, that's easier said than done. Have you ever done it? I love when brothers say that to me. Well, you know, it's easier said than done. Well, have you ever done it before? Well, well, no. Well, then don't preach to me. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, right? The power is in Jesus. 
How many of us believe that? Son of man in his glory. Like Rome tried to stop Jesus. Rome, Rome tried to stop salvation. We're, we're wrapping this up. But Rome could not. And, and Satan today, no longer, no longer having Rome, but, but Satan today is trying to stop salvation. He's trying to, to bewilder our minds. He's, he's trying to get us focused on something else. He's trying to get us to forget the name of Jesus. But Jesus is everything. Is He everything to you? Verse 24. And everything that was prophesied about the Messiah came to pass. And Rome couldn't stop it. And Satan couldn't stop a baby. The baby was born just like God said he would. In verse 24, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sin, to make atonement for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal up visions and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. So you are to know and discern that from the issuing of a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until Messiah, the Prince, there will be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And it will be built again with plaza and moat, even in times of distress. That just doesn't make sense, does it? Well, yeah. He, Satan is trying to destroy this thing and Rome is trying to destroy it. No, God says they don't, don't even worry about people. Just keep, keep your trust in Jesus. Then after the 62 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off and have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary and its end will come with a flood. Even to the end, there will be war. Desolations are determined he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week but in the middle of the week he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering and on the wing of the abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate everything came to pass as God promised it would. And let me tell you something else in closing that came to pass and still exists to this day and will exist until the day that Jesus comes back. And when Jesus comes back, it will still exist. And that's this. We win. We can't lose, brethren. You gotta stick with Jesus. Revelation 12, we'll close this out. Revelation 12, it doesn't matter what you're going through in your life, your struggles, it doesn't matter about your trials and tribulations. If you just stick with Jesus, you can't lose. It's an impossibility for God's people to lose. Rome tried to stop it. Satan has tried to stop us, but we cannot lose. Jesus was cut off by the predetermined plan of God. We cannot lose. Don't mess with God's people. We are victorious.
and forever will be. In verse 10, the Bible says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down who accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame Him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even to death. They won. They overcame Satan. They overcame Rome. We overcome. We are the overcomers, the victorious ones. Will you please stay with Jesus? So that's my plea this morning. Will you please stay with Jesus? And if you don't know Jesus, will you please give us an opportunity to teach him to you? If you're struggling in your faith and we can pray with you or pray for you, we're here. If you're not a child of God and you'd like to surrender to Christ, Jesus, in the waters of baptism, let the old man die, the new man be raised up, die for the remission of your sins, and stay with Jesus, receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit through the waters of baptism. If we can help you in any way, please make it known while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Why don't you